Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, an- another crazy week in the Philadelphia sports world. Let's run through it all. How you doing? Good. Good. How, how about if we talk just for a sec about a new sport in Philadelphia, which is an a old new sport. old sport in Philadelphia. Yeah. So, so last week was the reintroduction of the Philadelphia Wings. I used to love watching that on TV. They were brutal games. They're so much fun. And, <laughs> I mean, I went down there. The, the entire lower bowl was pretty close to sold out. If it wasn't, it's a good crowd. They had the Flames. They had uh, Bergie that was there. They, they had, had on the on the uh, playing surface. They had the visuals where everything like. You know, digitally is enhanced there. Yeah, it, it was it was it was really nice. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of scoring. Um, unfortunately, they didn't win, but it was like a major success. Good thing for people to take their kids to, right? You know, yes. not, not as long as you bring uh, earplugs for the older people. <laughs> I was going to say, not for the kids. They no. don't mind the the sound. No. It, so your son didn't mind the sound, but you uh, <laughs> you weren't thrilled with the the volume of the game. I've just, I've always been, I, I know you're going to say this is because I'm old. I've always been somebody who doesn't need that. I, see, But for, for younger you generations, assume, apparently you, you need that it. that's what I'm going to say? What do you mean? Why do you assume that I'm going to say it's because you're old? You make that assumption. I, I mean, I might. I, oh, I, come on. I know it's because you're saying it's because I'm no, old. No, I think it's more because you're crotchety. You, I think that you were crotchety <laughs> when you were younger, too. I just think that, I was born crotchety. Is that your point? I think you're more mature now uh-huh. as you're crotchety. <laughs> Well, look. Uh, if I'm so crotchety, why did we? Why are we doing a, a happy, feel-good show before the holiday instead of the Festivus airing your? Because we got show? good guests. It wasn't your okay. intention to do a happy, feel-good show. You were going to complain about everything in the world of sports, which we may do another day. Sure, but um, oh, you're going to give me a minute later on, but we'll deal with it. I will give you a minute. Yeah. Uh, I know that you are desperately looking to talk about Urban Meyer's new class at Ohio State University. Don't get into it yet. I want you to just build that up, and I'm going to give you a minute to go in a little Oosa. bit. Yes, okay. deep breath, okay? okay. Uh-huh. All right. Give me some Flyers talk. Um, what do you want to talk about? The new coach, the new goalie, the new general manager? I mean, a, a lot of stuff changed this week. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we've, obviously, we've been having the conversations. Did they make the right decision firing Hextall? Should they have fired Hextall? Yes. Turns yes. out they're both gone now. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on the firing, not firing, firing, not firing, firing our coach? I, I, that I was confused about. I, I don't know if it was just a leak gone bad or whether they were having second thoughts. For our listeners who aren't familiar, Saturday or Sunday when the team was flying back, there were reports that not only was the coach going to be fired, but that Joel Quenville, the former coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, would be taking over as the new coach. But then all of a sudden, he was on vacation. He was on vacation, and, and he wasn't cutting his short millions of dollars to not coach right now for right. the Chicago Blackhawks. So I am mad at him. But um, so it turned out that they weren't quite hiring Joel Quenville, right. and and that night they weren't firing Dave Haxtell. But then the next day, they fired Dave Haxtell. I have a theory. Okay, this which I have good. not heard espoused yet. I am always concerned okay, when you so haven't shared theories with me before the show starts. So because we're live. What what position did Scott Gordon play? He played goalie. Right. So I have a theory that what they were doing is they said once they made the decision, it's time to bring Carter Hart up. And remember, again, he's only twenty years old. The defense wasn't playing well. He wasn't, and they had more. Injuries. He wasn't a top goalie this year, and yeah. they had more goalie injuries, right? Which, which may have been why they decided they had to do it at this point. But once they made that decision, why not bring up a coach who was a goalie to mentor him, who's also been mentoring him all season down at the Phantoms? 
And I so think you don't think it had anything to do with losing four games in a row and being up two goals with a minute thirty five seconds and losing in overtime, letting three goals go in minute forty seven seconds oh. in Calgary. Well, I would have thought that, but they if they were going to do that, they should have done that before they fired Hextall. Well, Chuck Fletcher. It's great not to have him here just because they have the confusing. Making names, the but. decision, Chuck Fletcher, the new GM, said, "To my eyes, there was a disconnect to what he was preaching and how the players were playing. As the leader of the team, the responsibility falls on him. I felt at this point we needed a new voice." But then he also put some of it on the players. So, okay, fast forward now. Well, even the players put it. it Provorov was, was uh, I don't even know how to put it. He, he blamed himself and said he could play better, but he didn't exactly um, give a big hug to his coach <laughs> going out the door. <laughs> well, you know, not everybody's always disappointed when the, when the boss person leaves. Yeah, but, but, but so now, now comes the part of the show where we overreact about Carter Hart now being Bernie Perrant. The savior of the franchise. Look, we have talked on this show since we have been on the air that until the Flyers solve their goaltending issue, they will not be the team that everybody wants them to be. Fast forward, enter Carter Hart. You say fast forward 16 years? Who will be (laughs) carded for a very long time, Jeff. He looks very. He's 20. But he looks really young. Yes. So he's going to get carded a lot. Um he was calm mm-hmm. and poised, and a team that more lost, than his father was. His father was like pacing around the arena. His oh. mother couldn't contain herself. Could, she was in every shot, looking nervous as anything. Could you not relate? I mean, now, oh, that totally would be my parent, parents. I mean, I mean no, I couldn't relate because I'm not good enough to play sports like that. But I could relate to what the parents were doing because I could have seen my parents doing that. Had I been good enough to do any of that, I, I, look, I remember when my when my kid first started playing like competitive baseball and stuff like that, and it's really hard to look because you don't you don't want to see your kid fail. Well, and, and I know I get upset parents, when my kid doesn't do the puzzle at two, so yeah, I get it. Well, I get it because you didn't do it. Like I get so nervous. Who does better? I get nervous when he hasn't gotten on the slide right. Like I'm not there yet <laughs> as a parent to where I'm kind of pacing like that. Well, I, I could tell you it's it's really tough, and that's when you're watching in little league and soccer, and there's just other parents there. I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to have a a young adult son or daughter who goes into an arena of of eighteen thousand screaming people who have all these expectations. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. With the defense they've been playing, he could have given up four goals in the first period, and all of a sudden, mom and dad might have needed to be escorted out of the building. But he didn't. Yeah. Uh, he was, like I said, he was poised, he was calm, and a team that lost four games coming into it mm-hmm. has now won two games. And if you watched the game last night, there was an energy in that building that there hasn't been in a while. For fly, from Flyers fans. To me, the most important time of, of what Carter Hart's done in the last two games is the last two minutes and 20-plus seconds of the game because they had a flurry of activity. First, there were there were a bunch of power plays that they had to defend against, and then at the end of the game, they went empty net, and there were a flurry of shots, and he didn't dive and fall down he made just the right move to keep himself composed for what was going to come from a rebound i actually like what i saw at the end of the second period when they had the long five on three Mm -hmm. that they had to kill off going into the third period no he was um you know he was always in the right place well positioned to take the shot didn't give up the rebound uh look in two games he's had 51 saves on 54 shot attempts against nashville and detroit uh, at 20 years and 129 days, he's the 23rd goaltender in NHL history to win his first two career starts before celebrating his 21st birthday. And he's actually the seventh youngest to ever do that. So, I mean, 
you can't really ask for more from the kid. No, but At, but but, but people are going to, and that's why I just look. I went to see him in his first game with the Phantoms earlier this year. One thing that you see with about Scott Gordon him, as the coach, yes, with Scott Gordon. <laughs> although I wasn't really focusing on Scott Gordon's moves, um, Carter Hart's movements are best defined as quiet. There's no. Fr- it's not there's not a frenetic energy to it. It's a very quiet, disciplined movement, and that's rare to see in a goalie this young. But there are going to be ups and downs, and I don't want to be the damper on this. I just want people to realize that he's twenty. And oh, we don't he, we don't manage expectations in this well, city at all. <laughs> that's what always worries me. <laughs> that that is don't worry, it's going to happen. Do you don't, just don't even waste your worry? It's going to happen. Accept it. But here's the thing: he's not doing it alone. The defense in the last few games, yeah. How has come? Been, how come now they don't give up the puck in the has zone? Has been much better. They blocked twenty three shots last night. Yeah, but that's not the big. The, to me, the big story is they weren't they weren't passing the puck into the, right in front of the goalie. I don't know if, how does that change and, like and, that. And look, the penalty kill and things were improving, even though they were losing before Hackstall was fired. If you go back to the last four games, the penalty kill had been better. However. The last two games, they've definitely tightened it up even more in front of him, not giving those opportunities where he doesn't have a shot at it. And it seems like if you give Carter Hart a shot at it, he's going to gonna likely save it. Uh, that's what it has been from the start of the season. It gives it people to go a reason to go back to the building. Yeah, look, I mean, it should be fun and exciting down there. All right, but I, so I have a question for you, and you'll be sitting on the fence. But So, so the question is, is do you still look to to trade some of your core players at the trade deadline. Yes. Wow. How about that? You don't think that you now say, "Okay, now that we have Carter Hart, now let's see if this all works." No. Because I still what think What if they what if they win 9 out of their next 11 games? I still think you need more on defense. I I I think that you can find players in your system to be that wing on the third line or the second line. Um, if you have to give somebody up to get a better defenseman, I, I think the allotment. Drew, of, I wouldn't give up Drew or or Bourget. No, I, I would do more like a Simmons or or somebody like that okay. potentially. Um, not that I want to give them up, but mm-hmm. I, I think that defensively they still need more. And I'm not sure whether the pairings that they have right now are going to be the pairings that they go with. Uh, but if you're looking at what's in the system, what's on the team, uh, I, I think they still need to strengthen the defense and give Carter Hart more protection. Because if you're going to go forward with a young goalie, yeah, you could try and outshoot people, but at the same time, you need to give him a little protection there. And so I'd like to see another steadying force. I don't know if there's an expiring contract or, or something like that, but that's kind of what I'd like to see. I just thought of something. That and I by would... the way, give me credit <laughs> for not being on the fence. I did. I said, wow, that's a lot. That's a big kudos. I, there is something that I took away from the Wings game that I did want to talk about just quickly with hockey. Okay. And that is is the wing, the lacrosse league has a, a, clock, uh, a clock. I think that would be a great thing in hockey. All right. Well, why don't we come back to that you don't agree? when we talk? It's not that I don't agree, but yeah. I, I think that our, our guest coach, Jeff Collins, might not care whether there's a clock in hockey. Yes, he's, he's a more important Jeff he's, than me. So. He's got much yeah. more important things going on. Coach Collins, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you guys? Uh, we're wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, you're in a much warmer Absolutely. climate than we are. Yes, you are. No, I'm actually, I'm actually back in Philly. Are you? What are you doing in Philly? We should yeah, have... we uh, finished, up, finished up signing day uh, on Wednesday. 
and it was a whirlwind 10 days for me and, you know, finished signing day. And, uh, you know, once we got all the signatures in, uh, the Georgia Tech team took a little break, uh, you know, so the players could go home for Christmas. And so I took a chance to run back up philadelphia to see my wife and daughter so what's it like for for a coach um you know you you were here you established yourself your wife and daughter are still here obviously we'll talk about your next opportunity but you know you built something here that that was fun for people to see they went to consecutive bowls under your tutelage um we watched you do push-ups after turnovers on the sideline <laughs> um and they're like we enjoyed getting to know you a little bit what was it like for you to um obviously be here and and now the decision to move on and and saying goodbye to everybody yeah, and, you know, obviously, you know, I've made no uh, secret how much I love this place, uh, how much I love the players at Temple University. Um, you know, I had other opportunities that presented themselves, you know, once the season was winding down and, you know, even the first week after the season. Um, but, you know, the, the Georgia Tech one was different. You know, it's home. Um, I'm from Atlanta. I grew up, you know, 10 minutes from Georgia Tech's campus. I uh, had coached there twice, uh, you know, obviously on two different occasions. And, uh, you know, had a special, special, you know, bond with, with Georgia Tech. So um, of, of the places that, um, you know, would get to, to get me to, to draw my interest away from this great place at Temple University, it just so happened to be that the Georgia Tech job came open. Um, I was approached about it, um, and it was, a, it was a gut-wrenching decision because of the relationships that I had made here in Philadelphia. Uh, the players are absolutely amazing um, here at Temple University. And uh, so even though it was home and even though it was my dream job um, that I'd always wanted to, you know, be the head coach one day at Georgia Tech, you know, all those personal things uh, played into it and made it a very, very difficult decision uh, to leave. My wife loves it up here, um, loves the city, loves the culture up here. And uh, so it was a tough decision, um, you know, but one that, that we ultimately made and, um, you know, everything that we've done uh, since taking the head coaching job actually two weeks from today is when we had the press conference. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a whirlwind. I was doing it all by myself down there. Um, I've seen coaching transitions uh, happen before where half the staff immediately goes to the new school and kind of leaves the current football team, you know, kind of, uh, you know, struggling a little bit, and I made sure that I, I did not do that because I love the Temple University football players so much. I did not take a single coach from the staff and have not made any announcements for staff changes until after the Temple University uh, bowl game on the 27th before I start announcing staff because I don't want to do anything to disrupt uh, their preparation for the bowl game. So just so we're clear, you're not going to coach the team by yourself next year. <laughs> Yeah, no. The last you have a lot of energy, but I didn't know you enough. had that much. <laughs> yeah, the last ten days have been has been crazy. Um, you know, holding on to the signing class, they had a bunch of guys committed. So being able to hold on to those guys to get them to sign, and then we went after five new guys that weren't even on Georgia Tech's radar, and uh, you know, flipped them to come to come join us uh, in Atlanta. So doing that without being able to tell them who the who the coaches were, who their assistants were, who their position coaches were. Uh, shoot, that was a feat in itself. But, you know, glad they decided to join what we're doing uh, in Atlanta, but still obviously wanted to be respectful in every way to the to the Temple University players and program that I love so much. So you, you mentioned that third time is a charm and that, and that you're from Atlanta. Uh, I read some of the statements by some of the Georgia high school coaches 
One said that your pro-style offense will help you keep kids in Georgia. Another described you as a ball of energy. And a third said you had the ability <laughs> to connect with today's players. So sure. how, how, not only your personality and, get, and being able to connect with kids, but how important it is, is it that you're from that area, that you know that area, to make right. it easier to recruit in, in a big recruiting ground in Georgia? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, everywhere I've been, whether it be I was at Alabama or Mississippi State or the University of Florida, I always kept Atlanta uh, as one of my recruiting areas, you know, just to keep the, the relationships that I've worked hard to build, you know, over a 22-year coaching career, uh, you know, keep those fresh. Um, you know, we, we've signed kids from Georgia here um, in Philadelphia um, and from the southeast. So just the, the relationships are huge, um, you know, so you're able to get – um, you know, an edge on some of the other great recruiting teams uh, that we're going to com- be competing with down there. You coached with uh, Kirby, Kirby Smart at Alabama under uh, Nick I Saban did. in 2007. What's it going to be like going after the same kids and battling for supremacy in state with uh, the rival Georgia team there? Yeah, I have, I have a great deal of respect for him. Um, you know, and actually the, the head coach at the University of Tennessee, uh, he and I were on that same Alabama staff as well. So, you know, us, us, uh, you know, competing, you know, Atlanta is one of the hotbeds of, of recruiting nationally and definitely in the Southeast, uh, the, the, the Gwinnett County area, which is the one right side of it, right outside of Atlanta, there will be over a hundred division one players signed from that one County alone. Wow. Um, so just the, the brand that is Georgia tech, the educational possibilities, uh, the history, the tradition, the four national championships, you know, all of those will play into, um, you know, attracting a uh, high level of talent uh, to come join us at Georgia Tech. Um, you know, so I'm really excited about it. Well, you not only have Kirby Smart to deal with in Georgia, you also have in your own conference Florida State and, and more importantly, Clemson. How do you convince right. ki- How do you convince those kids to come to Georgia Tech? Well, I think, you know, in this day and age where social media is so prevalent, um, and it's uh, inter- ingrained in the, the fabric of the, the daily lives of young men ages 16 to 22. I think that presence, you know, gravitates, uh, you know, those guys to want to be in an urban environment, to want to be in a city. And uh, Atlanta is one of the greatest cities in the southeast or even the country. And uh, so having uh, a big time, uh, you know, power five conference, power five team right in the heart of Atlanta, um, that has a great education. It's the seventh-ranked public institution uh, academically in, a, in America, um, you know, and all those things, the way we're going to brand it, the way we're going to market it. Um, you know, I'm not shy about uh, getting out there on social media. You're not shy uh, about everything. With, yeah, uh, <laughs> engaging with the fan base. Um, you know, we're going to make it such, a, such an attractive destination uh, for the elite players in, in high school football to want to join us. Um, and it landed in the culture that we were able to build at Temple University. Um, you know, we're going to replicate that uh, in Atlanta. So, you know, it's just, it's just an exciting time. And we saw, we noticed that when we got the media guide from Temple, everybody had their social media profile there. And you could see right. how much you, you stress that engagement in terms of being able to relate to people. What's it going to be like for you during bowl season here? You got, you're going to be able to see the Temple game on TV, uh, you know, plan a little bit. What's coming up for Coach Collins now? Yeah, so get to, get to enjoy, uh, you know, spending some time with my wife and daughter. Obviously, been away from them for two weeks. Um, but I'm going to fly up to Detroit to watch the uh, Georgia Tech game. 
uh, live and in person. I'm going to visit with uh, the, their families that made the trip to the bowl game so that they get to see me and get to be around me. They've seen me on social media. They've seen me on TV. But I want them to be able to, you know, shake my hand, get to know me in person, you know, because January comes and we start our off-season conditioning program. And I just want them to be around the person that's going to be coaching them, uh, their, their sons, and, uh, you know, so build that level of trust between them, make sure they have my numbers. Uh, so anything they need for me to reach out, and, uh, you know, obviously the um, see the game up there and then fly back to Philadelphia, and I'll be here watching the uh, the Independence Bowl and be, you know, cheering uh, my heart out for the for the cherry and white. My daughter still sings the, the fight, fight, fight for the cherry and white <laughs> song every day and uh, says go Owls, and, you know, so we really, really love the place and I uh, love the Temple football players, so we're going to be we're going to be pulling for them very, very hard. Just a question on the recruiting for a, a new coach that comes into a program. You know, you're going to implement your pro style offense. They've had more of a a run type offense. Uh, you know, different types of players maybe there than you're used to. How as a sure. coach do you identify the players that are there that that can sort of fit your style of system and then target what you need in such a short time? How do you go about doing that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a so since I worked for Coach Saban at the University of Alabama, we've made a huge deal about a roster management uh, system and how many tight ends you have on your roster, how many running backs you have on the roster, how many defensive ends, defensive backs, etc. Um, and the the roster that we're inheriting at Georgia Tech has thirteen running backs on the roster. My goodness, and has z and has zero tight ends. Uh, at Temple, for example, we had five running backs on the roster and five tight ends. Um, so there's just a disparity in, uh, you know, the allotment of where they put the personnel. Uh, we had 11 wide receivers on scholarship uh, at Temple. They had seven uh, at Georgia Tech. So we're inheriting, you know, a roster management profile um, that's different than, uh, you know, we had at Temple. It's actually different than a lot of places, most places in college football. But the thing that I've said all along, it's about players, not about scheme. So we're going to go with the players that we have, embrace the things that they're able to do, build an offense, build a defense, build a special teams relative to the talent that we have on the roster as we implement uh, our recruiting philosophy moving forward. I signed two tight ends uh, you know, on Wednesday. They were the first two tight ends to sign with Georgia Tech in 11 years. Wow. Uh, so we're, we're going to have to educate the fan base what a tight end is again. <laughs> um, but you know it, it's going to be it's going to be a fun time. Um, but just you know find out what the players can do. You know of the thirteen running backs that came up and introduced themselves to me, uh, you know over the last week and a half, um, you know their guys kept coming up and saying, "Hey, I play slot receiver," and another kid would say, "Hey, I play slot receiver." And I'm like, "I watched you guys on tape, and I never saw a slot receiver ever in the offense." Uh, but the, the Georgia Tech player that's a highly intelligent guy, so. Uh, they were trying to figure out what's going to be their niche because they know we're going to, uh, you know, play with a slot receiver. So they're trying to go ahead and get that that edge to get on the field. Well, that almost that also must have went over well with you because if I remember from from talking to you early in the season, you actually like versatility. Oh, absolutely, and that's the same thing with the uh, the signing class position flexibility. Guys doing multiple things. You know, our starting tailback this year, Rockwell Armstead. Uh, was our starting third down pass rusher for the defense uh, as an outside backer. Uh, our starting nose guard 
Uh, Freddie Booth Lloyd uh, scored three touchdowns this year as a fullback, winning 330 pounds. Uh, our starting three technique, Dan Archibald, played tight end in short yardage goal line situations. So in this day and age of the limited NFL roster, guys that have the ability to play multiple positions in college are far more marketable, far more valuable uh, on the next level. So we want to do that um, at every chance we get, you know, wherever we are. But, you know, when we're inheriting a roster that, you know, um, you know has an interesting uh, position profile, we've got to be very creative in how we get these guys on the field as we implement our schemes and our system. All right, Coach, before we let you go and enjoy your holidays, uh, I have a personal question for you. I actually, hey. I actually have a son. I am taking him to Georgia Tech on Friday okay. to look at the school. So where do I got to eat? <laughs> what do I need to see, and and where Jeff, where's the food I need to go? Jeff to? asked the hard hitting questions on the show. Coach. <laughs> There's no doubt. So uh, for the last nine days, I've eaten at, eaten at Waffle House every single morning. Uh, it's over 24 hours a day, Smart 365 man. days a year. So I start off at Waffle House. Uh, I actually had an interview this morning on local Atlanta radio. Um, that just wanted to talk about my Waffle House order. Wait, what uh, what happened? Minutes. We br- we brought you a box of donuts for during the preseason, yeah. and you couldn't have a donut. Now he's at Waffle House. Now he's Jeff. eating Waffle House. What happens when you go back it's home? Just, I, I, four scrambled eggs with cheese, bacon, <laughs> a little Diet Coke. I can do it. Uh, but then lunch, uh, I would go to the Varsity. It's right on campus. All right. Uh, there's two Varsities in the world. Uh, one is in Atlanta, Georgia, right at the Georgia Tech campus. The other is in Athens, Georgia, on the University of Georgia campus. So uh, go right to the varsity and uh, you know, make sure you get a frosted here, orange, uh, frosted orange, and make sure you get the apple pie. Uh, they're they're phenomenal. Look at All that! Right. Even food suggestions. That's right. I now I got my day planned out. Thank you so yep. much, Coach. We we enjoyed getting to know you while you were here at Temple, and we wish you the best of luck at Georgia Tech going forward. And, and Merry Christmas, Thanks, guys. It means a lot. Thanks so much. Good luck. Bye-bye. Jeff, that was fun. We uh, we enjoyed getting to get to know him while he was here at Temple. It's uh it's obviously I don't think they I don't think uh Atlanta knows <clears throat> what's how lucky the, and and how entertaining the team they're about to have. I mean, I, I have to tell you when when we did the the preseason special, it to, the first time I saw coaches getting down and doing push-ups randomly it didn't look like i was any... waiting for you to get down to do yeah remember and, and we and we asked what's going on why you, why <laughs> your player why your coach is doing push-ups he goes oh well if the one of the players gets a turnover their the reward ball. is they get to point to a coach and make a coach do push-ups i kept watching the games just to see who had to do yeah. push-ups at the turnover you know it's a tough spot for temple because they are a a, a school that that sort of brings people in and gives them a chance and then the people they bring in are so good that with that chance that then they get poached from a larger program. And, and I don't know that you can really blame Coach Collins for wanting to go back home. No, I mean, um, I mean look, know, it's, it's the guy's dream job. Yes, it was his dream to be point. a head coach, but his real dream was to be a head coach where he was from, where he coached before, and he got the chance to go back there. I mean, it's it's not just the dream job that in that he was there before. He grew up there. He grew up there. I, he doesn't really have a southern accent, but in Atlanta, there, it came it's not out really. Came out sound. a little bit more in the interview. Yeah, today. but but I mean, look, we all have our our dream job or where we want to live, and you know, not my dream job is to do the radio show with you, Jeff. My dreams are accomplished. Oh, that's it. Well, I don't know. Uh, Brett, too. you better you better find some <laughs> some other dream. <laughs> Brett, too. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that better? Yeah, but but. 
to, to be able to do that, I remember when Brady Hoke was leaving, you know, a California school to come to Michigan because he said it was his dream job. It doesn't always work out um, because the expectations are so high on you. But he has so much energy, and because he has the background, it's going to work there, out for him. I, that's what that's I, what I'm I, thinking. I mean, and it's not Georgia Tech has been in the past a great school. Remember the Bobby Combos went to Georgia Tech. I looked at being an engineer, and I applied there. Well, I that, love Georgia Tech. Look, as a, as a dad who's looking at all these schools and applications and stuff, uh, Georgia Tech is a great yeah. educational well, and school. And he's got his pitch down. I mean, you asked him, sell yep. me on the school, and he mm-hmm. was right there with stats and everything. Yep. But you can tell that it's difficult for him because he still says our when he talks about Temple. Mm-hmm. And you know, and his daughter's still singing it, the cherry in the white. And his, and, and his wife likes it here. So you, know, you could tell it wasn't a, an easy decision for him despite the fact that he's he's going back yeah, home. Yeah, and, and, and look, how, how many coaches after they leave do you not hear from again the fact is he came back to philly because his film yeah. obviously his family's still here but he he made a point of saying i'm i'm gonna be watching temple and, i'm gonna be rooting and look he didn't and he have did to call something. in with us and talk about it you know we made the request because yep. we liked him mm-hmm. and wanted to sort of give him the chance to talk about it and, and one about. and one other thing that i thought was was shocking when i was when i was reading about him last week was that when when these coaches leave and go to a new school, they use the first thing they do is Take bring their the staff with them. Yeah. And he's leaving. He left a school and went to a new school right at the end of the early signing period. Yeah. So most of the time, the head coach seals the deal. It's the coordinators that usually do most of the recording because that's the recruiting because that's where the kids are going to be spending most of their time. He didn't do that. It's just him. And the fact that he was willing to leave Temple, leave that whole coaching staff there, and say, co-coach that game, I I find that refreshing, especially when I have other coaches that I have issues with because I just don't think character matters. I think that Jeff Collins okay, is a character Okay, let's draw that contract. Guy. Let's draw that Well, con- I, don't, I don't want to compare them because no, I don't want to No, we, we won't. And I, down, actually, but. let's go to break. And when yeah. we come back, I'm going to give you some Manny Machado news with the Phillies. Uh-huh. I'm going to let you go on a little rant. Okay. We're going to talk Eagles and more. And then we're going to talk about, Jeff, what would you do if you woke up the morning you were supposed to qualify to be a professional golfer and you had no golf clubs? Cry. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, have you been following the Manny Machado saga? 
Did, did you see him? Uh, I'm just going to say, well, which part where they, he got locked out of the stadium? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Phillies. I mean, I understand security locks on the door and everything, but that wasn't quite the look yeah, that they were looking for. That's not the welcome, Matt, that, that you're supposed to, to. I did think it was cool that he got to meet an electrician outside who said, take the money, man. <laughs> um, so report out from John Heyman says that Manny Machado has told the Yankees, Phillies, and White Sox that he'll make a decision after the new year. Oh, I, I feel bad. About Why? saying this, but I don't believe anything John Heyman says. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say something about Manny Machado or the Phillies. No. Or, uh, that being said, what what seems to be the case is Manny Machado wants to play for the Yankees. He does, and reports right. out say that uh, if the money is equal, that's what he'd like to do. Now, there's other reports that say the Yankees think that the Phillies will go up to 10 years and give a boatload more money. Mm-hmm. I will ask you, is Manny Machado worth 10 years and a boatload of money? No. But would you do it? Because <laughs> there's a difference. Are you asking me? Well, you're asking me as an owner and it's my money. Well, I'm asking <laughs> you. If it's as not a, my money, sure, I'm asking ahead. you as an owner who's raised expectations so That's high. That's the problem. That if you don't get him now, this offseason is considered a failure mm. just by the fact that you didn't get the two name stars that you weren't going to get to begin with. So he, here's, here's. It's the Sixers all over again, Jeff. Breathe. Okay. No, stop. But we've stop. talked about this. You're not going to let me answer your question. No, I'm not. I did. I don't know why I asked it. I don't really want to hear from you. Go ahead, talk. <laughs> you want, I'll, go, I'll leave. It's fine with me. Talk about no, your no. subject. <laughs> the, the issue I have here is that, and, and there has been some snickering within uh, front office circles of other teams about calling themselves the stupid money team now. Because... There was a comment by Middleton, I believe, about that we may spend some stupid money at the at the winter meetings. What I don't understand and what I'm trying to calmly say here is how did they not learn from what Brett Brown said when they were going star hunting? And how do you, unless you have no knowledge of Philadelphia sports, not realize that you don't raise expectations unless you could possibly meet them. So now you have a situation where we had the expect. I didn't, but a lot of people in the city had the expectation, not that we were going to get Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. Both. We were going to get them both, and we were going to get Corey Kluber, and we were going we were And gonna we weren't have- going to give up any prospects for it either, Jeff. That's right. So, so you you've raised that expectation as opposed to saying look we're going to do what we can to make this team better but we're going to do it wisely and you saw some people with the team try you know Andy McPhail try and walk back some of those comments but once the you, genie's you out of that can't. bottle you you can't you can't and 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 when you see the quotes the teams are saying they're calling the Phillies team stupid money it's not it it just you know it's it's like Jeffrey Lurie when he made the gold standard comment right he meant well. Now they are partially a gold standard. But you, you compared yourself to the Patriots, and, and there was no way you were going to meet that expectation. Why raise that expectation? To sell a couple more tickets in December? It doesn't make sense. You it's, need to sell tickets in April, May, June, July, and August. Right, and I think they will. But the the problem is, is that people are now going to be disappointed if they don't get Machado and Harper. And I still – look, we started – in the second the season with o- was over, with you constantly asking me, which one do you want, and what did I say every Mike time? Trout. Right. 
I don't care about either of these guys. I still believe it's going to be next year and the year after that those are going to be the players you want. How are you so patient at times? How And a Philadelphia sports fan, those things don't go together. We're not I'm, patient fans. Because I'm hoping I'm going to live more than a <laughs> we, year. We but, want winning now. <laughs> uh, look, well, yeah, I don't want to see the process. Okay, I don't want that kind of situation. I'm glad now. TJ says the process is over, TJ McConnell. There's an <laughs> article in The Athletic from yeah. TJ McConnell. The process is over. The we'll process get, may be over, but deals need to be we'll made. We'll get to that. Back yeah. to the Phillies. So back to the Phillies, you still have a situation where you can't just raise this expectation. There are players to get. Go try to get Corey Kluber. I thought they were going to get Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller just signed a two-year deal with St. Louis today. And so, you're running out of arms if you're not making a trade. Right. So, but And it also raises <clears throat> the, the, the cost of getting somebody else to like a, like ridiculous a Zach money. Yeah, so now you're going to have to spend stupid money on Zach Britton. So He's not the guy I want to spend stupid money on. Let's say Manny Machado chooses the Yankees. Yeah. Do they spend even more stupidly on Bryce Harper? or do they They're going to have to. If the if they think that there's going to be a backlash in the city, then they're going to have to. I would not do it. I would look there is whatever you give both of these guys is stupid money, right? You're talking about ten years from now. You don't know how healthy an athlete's going to be ten years from now, and you're going to be paying them at a minimum thirty million dollars a year. If it's not going to hamstring your team and you could afford to do it, more power to you to do it. If 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 five years from now they're using it as an excuse that they can't go out and get somebody else, hopefully I'm still going to be on the air with you saying, I told you so. <laughs> you, you don't care about being on the air with me. You just want to be able to say, I told you so. <laughs> Let's be honest Yeah, about I'll just this. call you from at home, that's okay? That's really all you care about is being able to say, I told you so. Um, that's pretty much where free agency stands for the Phillies right now. Yeah. There's no new news. You know, it, it becomes a story when Reese Hoskins apparently talks to Bryce Harper about Philadelphia. Right. Like well, that's they have where, the same agent. That's where we are in right. the offseason right mm-hmm. now. So can we leave that there? I guess. I'm going to leave that there, and uh-huh. I'm going to give you the floor, and I'm going to let you talk about your favorite ex-coach in college football, now co-teacher, Urban Professor Meyer. Character? Urban Meyer. Okay. The floor is yours. Now, if if I had a coach who was almost fired because of the way that he acted as a coach and the fact that he deleted emails when he didn't know how to use his phone basically right before right after investigators asked him for certain stuff. And he's had the problems that he's had at Florida and Ohio State. He then steps down for health reasons, and again, I'm air-quoting that. I don't think the next move you make as a university, as an education institution, as a leader of, of young people, make him a professor of character. Okay? He should not be anywhere near teaching a class on character. Watching you try to calmly get that yeah. out without eating the mic and losing your mind was fantastic. I did. That's like you gonna. That, that would be like giving Rick Pitino a a, co, a, a class on character. I, and he and look, see where's he going? He's he's, he's going to overseas, Europe. right? I wish I could have seen your reaction when the alert came up on your phone. I didn't believe it. I saw you tweet to somebody and said this can't be true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were. I knew you were going to be all. I over thought it that was a one. joke. I thought. I you thought, thought it was the onion. There, yeah. There was no. I'm it not is kidding. The perfect you. headline. Coach for who the resigns onion. due to yes. scandal basically is is teaching class on character. Uh-huh. 
I mean, you could say that that wasn't Are they why, bringing but... back Jim Tressel to coach the other class, too? I don't know. I, I just wanted to make sure that you got your chance to take okay, your shot. Okay, but now, th- now that we've done that, yes. why don't we, as the holidays are here, why don't we find a feel-good, warm and fuzzy, fun story? Uh, it's not my golf game, then. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mine, either. Why don't you introduce our guest and explain why he's joining us today, Jeff? Well, I believe that we have Cody Blick on the line. Cody, are you there? Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Cody. Thanks for joining us during the holiday season. Happy holidays. Yeah, likewise. So um, I grew up working at golf courses. Uh, I, can't, I can't play with my own clubs. <laughs> How, so for our listeners who are not familiar, maybe you could tell the story of, of what happened when you went to go try out for the Web.com tour recently. Yeah, so I was uh, I was playing okay through three rounds. I was in like 75th place and top 40 to get the guaranteed start. So that was kind of our, our number for the week was to get into the top 40. And we woke up Sunday morning and, uh, you know, it was a pretty normal normal morning. We were making breakfast and the seven of us were, were just gathered in the kitchen. And, um, you know, my, my coach's fiance walked into the kitchen and said, uh, hey, hey, Cody, where are your clubs? And you know, I thought they were in the garage, obviously, and and uh, she said no, they're not. So I ran out there, and uh, and yeah, the clubs have been uh, stolen in the night. So <laughs> so wait, where? So were they in the garage, and did somebody just break into the garage? Yeah, we're not totally clear on that. They they were in the garage all week, and uh, so we're not sure if it was somebody got into the garage and and you know took the clubs, or if if you know whatever it was, an ex renter or. You know, whoever. So, so what time were you supposed to tee off that day? So I was, uh, I was right about. I think it was like ten o'clock, and uh, I, I probably found out at about eight. Oh my goodness! So, so what do you? So, if your clubs are gone, I saw that you put up a on Instagram a five thousand dollar reward. <laughs> Did the clubs reappear by ten o'clock? <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately, they did not, and they have they've yet to come back to me. So uh, still no clubs. <laughs> no clubs. So, so so what do you do? So yeah, so I went to Instagram and and obviously offered the rewards for the the clubs and and nothing nothing bit. So I called Titleist and uh, they were so good to me. I mean, they scrambled. There were like five six of them scrambling around trying to find you know heads and shafts that, that they could match and, and get somewhat close to what I play and. Uh, yeah, they they figured it out and they got me a set that was good enough, I guess. You you were in the pro shop trying to get clubs. <laughs> and and then I saw that you you actually had a cracked driver head it, in the process of that too. I mean, could have anything else have gone wrong for you that morning? <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was a mess for sure. We uh we were in the pro shop trying out wedges. Um you know, we ended up having two rental wedges and the superintendent's uh short irons and the head pros four irons. <laughs> So uh, are you? Was, st- are you still playing with those clubs? <laughs> no, I'm not. Luckily, uh, Titleist was good to me, and they, they sent me a uh, replacement set. So you've got this hodgepodge of clubs now. You're you're trying to qualify. Uh, tell us how the story ends, because that's the best part of it to me. Yeah, not that you so, just gave it away, but no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it uh, it was it was a good day. I mean, it was one of those things where I was in a situation that was uh, way out of my control, right? So I. There was nothing I could do. I was just dealt a bad hand. So uh, just kind of went about it like it was a normal day. And honestly, I didn't even know it was a story. Like, I, 
when I was out there, I was just playing golf, and it was like, yeah, my my clubs happened to be stolen. I didn't know it <laughs> went uh, went viral like it has. And so you end up shooting a sixty three, and now you qualify with this random grouping of clubs in your bag. Uh, you're one step closer to sort of living your dream and Titleist is taking care of you. What's, what's it been like since this has gone viral and blown up so big for you? Uh, it's, it's been pretty crazy, really. I mean, it was that, those first few days, it was nonstop um, talking with media and, and just kind of getting the story out there. Uh, it has slowed down, thankfully. But, yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, it's one, one step closer to the dream of playing on the PGA Tour. So, to get these first eight starts on the web.com tour is, is uh, very special. Can I, can I make it? Uh, I know you're with Titleist, but I, I do have another suggestion for you for somebody that should be sponsoring you, which is if you've ever heard of Tile, you, you may want to yeah. <laughs> put that you, in your bag. You, you put that on your golf bag, and, and then you'll know where your clubs are. <laughs> and that's important. Been just fine. That's important because you're going to be heading to the Bahamas shortly for the first two tournaments of 2019. Are you now going to be concerned every time you go someplace about your clubs? You could carry them on and get a seat or something. I sleep with them. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I was. We were joking about that too. Is you know we travel. With, there, there's seven of us on the team, and so. So we couldn't do hotel rooms, but I was joking saying I'm never staying in a rental house again. Right? That was, <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> Have you gotten any feedback from other golfers on on what happened with everything? Uh, a little bit, you know. The the funniest reaction uh, was probably the, there were a couple guys on the putting green uh, warming up uh, before the final round, and and uh, I've had my putter for like seven years now, so it's like kind of known like me and my putter are like a, a unit, right? So. <laughs> And and I'm hitting these other putters on on the practice screen, and these three four guys came up and were like, "Cody, don't tell me you're switching putters." And I was like, "Guys, I'm not. I kind of have to here, you know." <laughs> you're switching everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, what's uh? So what's next for you? You, you keep chasing the dream now. Yeah, it's 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 kind of just back to normal, right? We have the same goals of of getting inside the top twenty five on the money list by the end of the year. You know, hopefully we can win uh, a few events here and there. And you know, I don't think anything's really changed other than the fact that I don't have my clubs. You spent a, a, a little time uh, playing on the Mackenzie Tour in in Canada. What was that like, and how did that help you out with your game today? Yeah, the Mackenzie Tour is great. It's um, you know, I always tell people it's it's the hardest tour in the world in terms of money to competition. I mean, the the guys up there are so solid and. Uh, it's it's hard to make a living up there. It really is, but uh, it 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 gives you so much experience week in week out. I mean, it really teaches you how to play professional golf. You know, it's in college golf. Maybe you'd have back to back events, and you know that was fine. You had people taking care of flights and hotels and whatnot. But uh, the Canadian Tour really taught me how to travel and and how to play professional golf. And uh, I definitely highly recommend that tour to anybody who's uh, who's trying to play. I don't know if Jeff would make it on that tour. I'm not, I'm I'm not, not sure. making it on any tour. Yeah, you're yeah. not making it on any tour. <laughs> uh, what's it been like, sort of, this journey for you? You, you played college golf at, at San Jose State. You're, you've been on the, the tour in Canada. Keep trying to, you know, what's that like? We always talk on this show about sort of the journey for athletes and the lessons that they learn. You've obviously learned a lot along the way here and had a lot that you learned the other day. If you, if you give any of our advice to our listeners, uh, what you got for them? Yeah, you know, I... I think last week or, or two weeks ago really showed me that uh, it, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? I mean, I, I was kind of getting punched in the gut all week, and 
and then to lose the clubs on top of it, it was it was one of those things where I kind of learned how to just roll with it. And uh, I think that was the biggest takeaway is just kind of roll with the punches and uh, and just keep moving, right? Well, it's easy to say. Jeff but, works but, with me, so he yeah, knows it's not perfect, right? But but <laughs> it, it's easy it's easy to say to roll with the punches. But what what you went through, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to. I, I'm a trial lawyer. I can't imagine losing all of my exhibits two hours before I went on trial and just say, all right, we'll print new ones. <laughs> you know, it, right. so, so is, do you, have you always had that kind of personality that you could just kind of roll with the punches or is, is this something that you just said that, Hey, look, I, I got to do this. I don't really have a choice. It's either that or quit and quitting is not an option. Yeah, exactly. Definitely the latter. I mean, it's like you said, I didn't have a choice. So it was either, it was either walk in or, or try to give it a go. And, you know, I was, I was pretty far out of it. I mean, I was in 75th, right? So I already had to have a good day. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I think it, was, it wasn't really an option. I mean, it's just kind of a situation I was forced into. So, so if, if you had to compare yourself to another golfer, whose game do you most resemble? Oh, man, that's a great question. I don't know. I, uh, he just likes that you know. think he asked him a good question. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I don't. I you know I've never thought about that. I don't know. Maybe like a like a Ben Crane. He's kind of known for for hitting it okay, making some putts, but he just he works hard. And I guess I kind of like to uh, to identify that way. So you're just a hard worker out there who uh, who scratches it out and uh, is hoping to make it. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I can assure you, Cody, we're going to be following your career every week, uh, and, and we're rooting for you to keep your clubs. Yes. And and win tournaments, and uh, we re- we really do appreciate having you on. It's been a great story, and and we really will look, watch you going forward. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, happy holidays. Thank Thanks you. so much. You have a great one. Good luck. Bye, bye. Jeff. I, I you said it best. If you lost all your stuff, um, you know, if I, I, if I lost, I, I can't you know, imagine. I remember when my laptop was stolen, and I, I like I live on my laptop because mm-hmm. everything I do is digital media. I was shattered. <laughs> like I was shattered like the window was that broke in to take the laptop. I would not have been able to go back to work. You're just you're so close to your dream. To your dream. And, and you're within a day of it. And you're with it. you can see it in front of you and then all of a sudden you're you're making eggs and someone comes in and says, "Dude, your clubs are gone." You didn't ask him the most important question, which is what? Did he have breakfast? You ask food <laughs> questions all the time, Jeff, of everybody and you didn't go there. He told you what he was making. Yeah. Look, Jeff Collins told you where he eats breakfast. He's at Waffle House. He got recommendations. Yeah. Can we go? Can we go back to that for <laughs> for a second? Because because I have to tell you, you're just disappointed he didn't eat your donuts. Well, now. no, we we stopped it. We didn't just stop it at a donut place. We stopped at like a gourmet donut place <laughs> that's very famous. But they're not paying us to, to, to say anything, so we're not going to say the name. And we bring this really nice spread of donuts for all the coaches and the players we're going to interview because we're going to be there all day. And and we we give him he's the head coach, so you got to give him first dibs, right? And and he goes, oh, these are really good, but no, I, I'm going to die. I can't have <laughs> an, a, a, any of that stuff. And, and he gives, of course, the coaches, the assistants didn't and turn they had, them down. They all loved they, it. They grabbed the box and 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 went. But but then the last thing I expected during this interview 
was, you know, I figured he was going to give me the local college dive since he's, you know, he knows that area. Well, he gave and those you victory. The, right. And, and and we will go there. And, and we're going to go to the Frosty, what was the other one called? I don't know, the I'll have to play it back. Frosty. Um, we will go there. But for him to say Waffle House, That's that right. wasn't what I was expecting. Well. We'll leave that. We'll leave that there. We'll we'll let you uh, tell me how so Waffle you, House. So you was. want so you want to hit a little Eagles before we go? Yeah, a little Eagles. Let's do that. So um, when we last talked, we want to talk about Josh Josh Gordon. <laughs> now let's do Eagles. I don't want to talk about that <laughs> because I, I I feel bad for him about that. I do. You too. know the the struggles of an athlete. It doesn't matter what your career is. If if you're not a surprise. If you're, but, it's, but if your it's, personal it's, demons are are something that's that's challenging for you to get a hold of. Um, you know, I, I don't wish that on anybody. And just because he's an athlete that makes a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't make it any easier to deal with your problems. Right. And so I, I'd rather kind of leave that there. I, I think a lot of athletes have mental health issues that they don't talk about. His has just been much more public because of the substance abuse and other issues that have gone along with it. Um, so I hope that people can sort of see that as a lesson for them to, to sort of tackle their, their challenges that they have. Before it takes away their their profession, he handled it better this time too. He did. He than, than definitely he did. And 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 look, the the Patriots did everything they could to support him mm-hmm. there. So you know, see what happens. Um, but we thought the Eagles were dead. They were thirteen and a half point underdogs against the Rams. It's the largest upset since nineteen eighty five. The reason they were that big a dog is the defense, and the defense stepped up. Against the Rams. And St. Nick is back right before Christmas. Uh, right? Ah, uh, the Nick Foles Carson Wentz uh-huh. debate. I there's nothing. Wait, there's no worse. Deb- what's, No, there what's isn't the debate? a debate, but people want to debate it. They uh, want to create a debate. And I can't decide. So well you then tell let's me. not let's just no, no, skip it because I don't me. want to debate. You this. tell me, because we're on the radio. Yeah. Do people make this a debate? Hey Brett, are we on? Do you do people yes. okay. do people right. make you. this debate because they want others to listen and read, or do they truly believe that one impacts the other. Because Carson Wentz is going to be a lo- around a lot longer than Nick Foles. So what the hell is this? Wow, you're all charged up. I don't understand. Look, I, I don't it, it's like... A made up, it's, look, it's a made-up controversy. It's not a controversy. Nick Foles is a backup quarterback. He did something amazing last year. You can't take it away from him. He's still... I mean, you did see how he did at the beginning of the season, right? Yes. It wasn't good. No. Okay, but so... But at the same time... I do think that there's things in his game that Carson Wentz can look at. He takes much more shots down the field well, not only than that, Wentz does. Well, to me, the one thing that I like about Nick Foles more than Carson Wentz is that Nick spreads the ball around. It's not just t- taking – Carson has Zach Ertz as a crutch. I mean, he's, he seems to be his first option all the well, time. Well, you could tell on the play uh, uh, in the fourth quarter – when Foles tried to force it to to Earth, that mm-hmm. was the one where they had the interception because he was trying for it mm-hmm. there. When he was spreading the ball around, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey was dominant. Eight catches, 160 yards, all over the place. I, I just yeah, but and by the way, let's get over that that Alshon Jeffrey is a is an All Pro. He's not. He's, he's a very he's good a very he's good a, receiver. He's a very good receiver. But the the Eagles still need to upgrade their receiver core next year. Yes. I, I agree with yeah. that. See, I'm not on the fence there, Jeff. And they need to upgrade the running backs. I'm doing today's show from not on mm. the fence, Jeff. But I think I still think that, look, if they get into the playoffs, which is still a long shot. Uh, it's not that long of a shot, And the Cowboys shot, really though, do anymore. suck if you watch Honestly, that game. it's not that long of a shot. It, as ridiculous as it sounds, mm-hmm. because Carolina lost on Monday night, 
If all the Eagles have to do and is Cam Newton shut down. Yeah, that's it. He's all done. the Eagles, it, it's irrelevant though. They right. could win the rest. All the Eagles mm-hmm. have to actually do is win their last two games, and Minnesota lose one of their last two, and their last game is against uh, is against the Bears, uh-huh. who are going to be playing for maybe home field advantage, second place in the conference. And the Bears just want to beat them. Well, I mean, the Bears are not taking off. This no. is not a team that's been in the playoffs a bunch. This is a team who is on the rise. And by the way, did anybody see this coming? No. I mean, I get, I get the Khalil Mack trade was a good trade for them. It has been a a franchise directional changing move for them. You don't think the Trey Burton acquisition is what did it? No, I don't. Sorry. Chase Daniel. But I mean, he, he not only is his own talent. But the, the mentality that he brought to that defense, it is now, I mean, people in Chicago are talking about that defense in the way they were talking about the, the 85 Bears. And it's impressive to see what, and John Gruden, bad move. Did you see who he signed this week, Jeff? Yeah. Nathan Peterman. Yes. Nathan. What's wrong with that? Apparently he's loved him for a really long time. If you go where I think you're going to go next. I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick, don't worry. Uh. <laughs> Glad I could get that out of the way. Okay, oh let's go. To, let's goodness. go to the game and talk about a different mobile quarterback. Yeah, Deshaun Watson and the and the Texans will be here in Philadelphia. Houston's won ten of eleven games, scored twenty nine or more points in three of their last four contests. Offense isn't what I'm worried about. It's the defense. defense their defense is dominant. So their defensive line, uh, their defen- there may not be a better set of pass rosters than J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney. And don't forget Merciless. It, I mean, I, I mean. That, for, by the way, he has a great name for a defensive He has player, a fantastic But, but he is a great player, and, and, and the Houston Texans are everything that the, the Rams defense was supposed to be but isn't. The Rams defense is Aaron Donald and nobody else. And however you say Sue, first name. And Dominican. He has done nothing this year. He has not lived up and, to it. But and the, you, the you Texans are, are going to bring – first of all, there will be no running game. They're, they're going to shut down the running game, and Nick Foles is going to be forced to pass, and that's what I'm worried about and is do you when think he's they forced can, into Do you it. think they can do that? Do you Ooh. think they win a game where they don't have the running game and he's forced to I, pass? I don't think they can win this game. See, I, I actually and I actually have a better feeling about this game than I have others. I think they win like well because it's a 20. home game, but yeah, because the team plays differently. At home. Yeah, but but this Texans team has just played out of their minds the last eleven games. Well, you make a pick because we got twenty seconds, Jeff. It's going to be Houston twenty-seven twenty-four. Way to end on a bright spot. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help (laughs) you start your weekend in style. Everybody have a great holiday, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.